Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. But today, we're going to look at a few verses and we will launch off. If you will, if you want, turn to your, in your Bibles to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And then if you would, stand for the reading of the Word of God. <clears throat> Let's start off with verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. There is no want to those who fear Him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. Let's pray. Father, we just thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this day. We thank You for this time that we can spend together. Lord, we pray that You would teach us, instruct us, equip us. But give us an insight that maybe we've never seen today that would change, Lord, our outlook, our perspective, and how we view You. And Lord, as we're praying, we also think of Israel. We pray for the peace of Israel. We pray your hand be upon that nation as it's becoming more and more isolated. Pray, Father, for safety of both sides. Lord, that you would bring an end to this conflict. And we pray for our own country, Lord, as we think of our election this year. We pray, Father, that you would give us Not the leaders that we deserve, but Lord, the ones that will lead us into righteousness. We pray for revival throughout our nation, Lord, beginning in the White House. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When I was just a wee little lad, I was probably four, went over to a friend's house, and he had this great idea. I don't know, you've, some of you older people would know these things, but when they traveled overseas, they used to have this chest. It really was a big chest. And it'd have a lock on it. Well, my friend's great idea was, let's jump in the box. So we jumped in the box and the lid went, and locked. I freaked out. I was scared. I was pounding on that box to get out. I remember his sister opened the box. I never felt such relief. A box. A little box. How could that scare someone? But it does, doesn't it? Any closed atmospheres can shiver, shiver down your spine. But then the opposite's true too. It's when you see something vast beyond your comprehension. 
the two can be unsettling. Whether it's a box enclosed area or space that you can't conceive. Now, today we live in a time of a lot of fear that we are in a box, if you will, being overpopulated with humans. You're the problem. The Earth's pollution, climate change, nuclear war, limited resources. Humanity has to fix these things. They want to do it through science. Political, economical, social. There's got to be a fix. There's got to be a way that we can save ourselves. And so, humanity is looking to the heavens. Surely the answer is in the heavens, we say. Surely we can find ourselves somewhere out there that we can find another place to live, another place to get resources that we can spread our wings. But then again, we find there, too, things that scare us. It's a hostile environment space. I don't know if you know this or not, but you can't just walk on the moon. You need something that's called oxygen. Gravity would help, too. But it's not just that, it's also the unexplained things that are flying around up there. Objects that are hurling in space. Also radiation and other such things. It doesn't really seem to be an answer unless again we look to ourselves and say science is the answer. But see, you and I live with something. We've talked about this probably a few weeks ago now. Everybody lives in some type of fear. What's your fear? What's the fear that you have? Fear of spiders, fear that I'll talk too long, fear that Mark's going to tell another joke. What's your fear? We all have them. But it's interesting is that the Bible speaks of fear. See, that word fear, it means to stand in awe, not be terrified. It means to have a reverence, honor. Respect. Now, to understand this, to understand the biblical concept of fear with God would be to, if you will, take something that we can somewhat understand, if you will, and that would probably be like the ocean. The ocean has the Pacific, the Atlantic, the Arctic, the Indian. But if you really look at it, it's only one ocean. If you look at a globe, 71% of the earth is covered by the ocean. The average depth is 12,450 feet. For you that like miles, that's two and a third miles. That's average deep. If all the land mass was flat, the water would cover the earth 8,812 feet. That is, again, one and two-third miles. It's interesting because it, again, shows that the flood could scientifically happen. Not that we need their science. Space, what about it? We look and gaze out there, but we have to understand to gauge space, we have to gauge what a light year is. And light year is, is how far light travels in one year. Again, to bring it down to us so we can understand that light travels in one second It's already traveled around the earth seven times. One second. Now you're starting to get the concept of it. It goes that fast. 
The sun is 93 million miles away. For the sunlight to hit the earth, it takes 8.3 minutes to hit the earth. It's fast. But now, if we take that now and expand to understand how far the universe is, the estimate distance at this time, and I say at this time, is 93 billion light years wide. But wait a minute. It's expanding 46 miles per second. That means 2,760 miles per minute. That means 165,600 per hour. That means it's close to 4 million miles per day. Approximately 1.5 billion miles in a year. So it keeps expanding. And as it keeps expanding, you and I wonder. Don't we? I know I do. C.S. Lewis wondered. I like what he had to say. He says, men look on the starry heavens with reverence. Monkeys do not. The silence of the eternal spaces terrified Pascal. But it was the greatness of Pascal that enabled them to do so. When we are frightened by the greatness of the universe, we are almost literally frightened by our own shadows. For these light years and billions of centuries are more arithmetic until the shadow of man, the poet, the maker of myth, falls upon them. Do not say we are wrong to tremble at a shadow, for it is the shadow of the image of God. Now, there's passages in the Bible that have to make us wonder and gasp, if you will. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 12 and 13, it says that God has measured the waters in the hollow of His hand. He's measured the heavens with a span. How big is your God? It defines you. It defines me. Because, see, we live so much of our lives in a box. And we fear the unknown space. There was a study done many years ago where they had a school, and the school had fences around it for the playground. And, and the kids would go out. But it's funny because the kids wouldn't really huddle where the playground was. They'd always go to the extremities. They'd always go against the fence. And if you will, we can go in the mind of those humans because, if you will, those children, because I was a child like that. Because, see, in my grade school, there was a fence. And beyond the fence was an orange grove. And sometimes those oranges look so beautiful. You wanted to climb the fence and go pick them. But not only that, because of me being a boy as I was, it wasn't just picking the fruit. It was taking the fruit and then running running away from the school. I wanted to go explore. But see, the interesting thing is, that study is, they removed those fences. And then the kids didn't go to the outside. They all huddled close to the inside. The box. The fear is always the unknown. The fear is always those things that we cannot 
stand. Now, the Bible speaks a lot about fear, but not the fear that, again, that we would talk about worldly. Because, see, it speaks of the fear of the Lord as the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. That's the true essence of fear. It's the fear of God. But wait a minute, let's go back to our definition of what fear is, biblically. It's to stand in awe, reverence, honor, respect, as you would if you would when you stand in front of the ocean, or you look at a starry sky, if you let your imagination go, and if you're honest with who you are as a human, you can't help but go, wow. It's so vast. And then as we pull out, and we have been able to do this, we see a blue ball, the earth. And the farther it gets away, we get the contrast of how small it really is. It's a speck of dust. And yet, we're told that God knows my name. But even more so, He knows how many hairs are on my head. It says that He made me, knit me together in my mother's womb. Reverence, awe, amazing. We understand the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But now, how do you describe that? How can we bring that to again to these little finite minds of ours so we can understand it? And trust me, this is why I was, if you, some of you were keeping track, some of you knew this, I was late. Why? Because this is hard. And I really felt like this is something I needed to learn. And if I need to learn, I'm sure you need to learn it. What is the fear of the Lord? It's so important at this time. Even in fact, A.W. Tozer spoke and said like this. We have loss of a sense of majesty has come the further loss of religious awe and consciousness of the divine presence. We have lost our spirit of worship and our ability to withdraw inwardly to meet God in adoring silence. Modern Christianity is simply not producing the kind of Christian who can appreciate or experience the life of the Spirit. The words, be still and know that I am God, mean next to nothing to the self-confident, bustling worshiper in the middle period of the 12th century. How much more now? See, to understand what the fear of God is, is to understand that there's nothing else to fear. Because to understand the things that are happening around us, that there is a God that is in control, that there is a God that holds it all in His hands, and me in particular, and you in particular, then what is there to fear? But see, it would take an effort on us, on our part, to understand fully what it would mean. Now, again, I told you this is kind of, if you will, anemic in some ways, but it's the best I can present you to you at this time. I'm going to use an acronym. And it's the word fear. The first, if you will, is the word face. And in Scripture, when it speaks of God, it speaks of His presence, His glory, His majesty. What does that mean to you and me? Well, Moses wanted to see his face. 
And this is what the Lord said. He says, I will make my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But you cannot see my face, for no man can see my face and live. Now, again, to stretch our mind some, if we go from, again, the book of Exodus and leap all the way to the end and go to Genesis, or excuse me, Revelation, we hear this in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, when the great white throne and God who sat upon it, listen, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away because there was no found, no place for them. See, when the glory of God, when His face shone unto creation, the holiness, His perfection, His glory, His majesty, this, again, God given us just a little, just a peek when He says, look at space, look at the beauty of it, look at the vastness of it. I not only hold it in my hand, but when my face and my glory is revealed to it, it, it is nothing. In fact, we understand in Colossians that He holds it all together in His hand. And one day we're told that He'll let go of it. The face of God. His majesty. His glory. His presence. If you will, I'm cheating on this one. E is I'm using two E's. It's ear and eye because if you will, in Scripture many times they do kind of Collide. Listen what it says in Genesis. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Then God said, let the waters under the earth be gathered together into one place. Dry land appeared. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb and yields. It yielded. Then God said, let the lights be a firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. So it was. Then God said, let the waters around with abundance of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth. It was. And God said, let, make our man, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And it was. It's the eye to see what he has spoken into existence. But it's not only that. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 and 19, when the people were down below Mount Sinai, and God was speaking to Moses through thunders and lightning, now when all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightnings and the flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us. We will hear, but don't let God speak with us lest we die. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, the word of the living God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Jesus said, but I say to you, every idle word men may speak they will give an account the day of judgment. So we see God's presence 
We also see the power of His Word. A is for attributes. Attributes describe God. If it can, if it could, for our finite minds. I'm just going to pulp a few. See, He's self-existent. See, He made creation out of nothing. You know, my background, I was a carpenter. I need something to build something. If I have nothing, I cannot build it. I need material. I need resources. God needs neither. God creates out of nothing. God is infinite. We just talked about space. He has no limits. He has no boundaries. He has no end. He's eternal. He created time. He's not imprisoned by time. He created it. He's outside of time. The past, the present, the future, it's all one to him. He sees it all as it's happening, but he sees it as if it's already happened. He's self-sufficient. He needs no one. He's not dependent on anything. We need oxygen. We need water. We need food. We need shelter. He needs nothing. We need love. He does not need love. He is love. He's all-powerful. He has no limits. He's all-knowing. There's nothing hidden from His sight. And yet, if you're like me, then so many times I put my God in a box. He cannot. He will not. He might not. R. R is for He is a righteous judge. In Psalm 50, verse 6, says that let the heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is judge. In Psalm 9, 8, it says he shall judge the world in righteousness and he shall administer judgment for the peoples in uprightness. In Psalm 96, 13, it says for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with truth. If you're really listening, then you with me are kind of sucking a little air right now. How can I understand this infinite God? How can I how can I get him out of the box? But how can I actually also have him close enough that I can understand him? That I understand what he requires of me, what he desires of me. It's interesting and I know you already know this, but let's go there. In Hebrews chapter 1, listen, it says, God who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This infinite, all-powerful, all-sufficient, glorious, majestic God became a man. So we can hear, that we can see, that we can understand his heart, his purpose, 
his face. See, to, to see it from, again, from the Israelites' point of view, that he was too awesome to even look upon. In fact, even when they would come to his name, they would first bathe themselves and then write the name, but not the name itself. They would have to use, again, a word without understanding of what truly, how to pronounce it, because they thought if you did pronounce it while reading it, you would do it in a sacrilegious way. And then it would be judgment upon you. In your Bible, it says in capital letters, Lord. But see, we as believers are understanding something. Because of this man, we call him not only Abba, but we also understand his name was Yahweh. I am that I am, the self-existing one. Now again, the amazing thing is that we can take this acronym and now we can use it to the face that we can see and we can understand. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3-6, through 6, Paul says, If our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I don't understand. I can't perceive. I can't conceive. But now I have face. Now I understand that this one that came, that he can speak a word and calm a storm, that he can speak a word and he can heal the sick, that he can speak a word and he can raise the dead. And then he says to me and to you, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. He also said, Have I been with you so long, yet you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? See, kids, what they do is they'll, they'll make drawings, and if you can see them as they grow older, some of them get better. <laughs> me, I was always a terrible drawer. You want me to draw you something? Want me to draw you a portrait? It'll be a stick man, sorry. You're going to have a moon head. I don't care how muscle-bound you are, you're going to be sticks. That's the way I am, and that's the way I draw. Well, see, God Himself has drawn a picture for us to see. It's a man, and His Word declared, describes Him as nothing out of the ordinary. Not physically. Ah, uh, but... He revealed the heart of God. He revealed the essence of who God truly is. And through His Word, I can begin to understand Him. I can begin to fathom Him in this finite little mind of mine. And yours too. A is for attributes. Oh, please listen. 
If you want to turn there, you can. It's Ephesians chapter 3. In fact, I'll give you a second if you want to turn there. I'm going to take a little swig. Uh, This is water for you that are listening. Look at verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So be it. Not only I see his face, which remember also describes his presence. Not only that I can hear his voice, his word and his spirit speaks to my heart as I meditate on it. But he reveals his attributes to me. And his attributes towards me and towards you is love. But do we use R for a righteous judge? We can. For those that don't take this other R seriously. But you and I who are believers, we understand it. And it should again make us to fall down on our knees. See, I use the word redeemed. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In 1 John 4.17, it says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. Let's bring it down. Because, you know, we always got to look in a box. Simpler that way. Simpler to put things in the box so you can see what you got. What do we have? See, first we have to look up before, and we see the vastness of who God is. But then we can look in the box and say, this is how God revealed himself for me to understand my little finite mind. Though he's not constrained to the box, you see. Because the box, if you will, is an image of a person. It's a man in flesh. I can touch flesh. And he came to let us touch. To see. To understand. But he says, I see you, I know you, I hear you. I desire for you to see my face. I desire for you to enjoy my presence. I desire to call you child. But you must come. You must come as you see what I have done to take your penalty upon myself to die for your stead so that the judge of all the world, which is me, will not judge you. Because I see you now as you shall always be, righteous and holy because of what I've done 
And because of that, now I am called, what? Verse 9. 34. I'm a saint. (laughs) Not that I deserved it. Not that I worked at it. No, see, I was just set apart. That's what saint means. I'm now a holy one because of what he's done. I am holy because he has made me holy. Oh, I'm not perfected yet. Just ask my wife. No, please don't. Maybe it would be better if you didn't. I'm not perfect. Ah, but my Savior is. The one who said that I may now call his Father, Abba. So how do we keep this, if you will, this understanding what fear of God is, but also bring it to our hearts and understanding of where we can be? Just first of all, I understand that I am a saint. In Second Corinthians chapter 6, says this and what accord has Christ with Belial what part has a believer with an unbeliever what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk among them I will be their God and they shall be my people therefore come out from among them and be separate says the Lord Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. See, to understand what it is now to what fear is, is to see that we have been called saints and we're holy. And if you will, we're to separate ourselves from the mentality of the world that not only holds God in a box, but holds the universe in what they think is their hands. That they, if you will, instill in others the philosophy of the world, the pleasures of it. And God says, come out. Come out. Look at verses 13 and 14. Actually, look at verse 11 first. Understand this. David is saying, Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What do you have to say, Dave? He says, Ooh, who is the man who desires life and loves many days, that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. What's he telling us to do? Depart from evil. Where do we see this day and age right now? Like Isaiah says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We buy into it. 
whether it be Hollywood, how many times do we see people having sex out of marriage and we think, oh, well, it's just they're not showing too much. But still, it's in the mind that these people, or how many times do they get you to cheer on the person to leave that deadbeat? He doesn't understand you. Look at this knight in shining armor. He's so wonderful. Go for him. Or how about all the fame and the glory that it shows, the riches that you can be better. You can do something more. More than you think. You have the ability. If you think it, you can do it. If you do it, you will be it. And even those that are found themselves in this fame, in these riches, they're not happy. They've got to keep telling themselves they're happy. When I was a kid, they had a show. I said kid. I guess I wasn't too much of a kid. I can't remember. That show was called Rich and Famous. The lives of the rich, lifestyles of the rich and famous. So what they would do is they'd go to these rich people's houses, these famous people, and show their houses. And they were so elaborate, you know, and you're thinking, wow, that'd be cool. Of course, I was always like, man, he's got a gym in his house. That's a full-size gym. He's got a basketball court. Man, I wish I had that. You know, that's what you begin to think. And that's what we're sold. But it doesn't matter how you earn it, just get it. And even in the Christian church, we've said, if you believe it, you can receive it. If you name it, you can claim it. If you blab it, you can grab it. That's not what God desires from us. But notice again, it says to depart from evil. Listen to what Proverbs says. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverse mouth. I hate, says the Lord. You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of His saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. See, it's an understanding of separating. Separating from the world's philosophy. Separating from what the world desires for you. To believe and to understand what God has given and to receive. He's given. So it's to understand that we are saints. It's to understand that today is the day to depart from evil. But does that mean to separate ourselves from everyone? Oh, of course not. Notice in verse 14, he says, depart from evil, do good. Seek peace and pursue it. With who? With all around you. Everyone. Jesus put it this way. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. In Romans, it says, If it is possible, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all men. It's working in and through these things, the truth. That God is instilled in you. It's your difference. Oh, you're different not because your hair color, not because of the way you walk, not even because you carry a Bible around. You might have a fish in the back of your car. That doesn't make you different. What makes you different is the God that lives inside you shining His light through you, that you're His, that you have something different, that you have now God vision. You see Him, you see His face, and you know what He's about. It's redeeming people. Changing people, transforming people. It's the wonder of it all. That's the blessedness of it all. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh man. 
Excuse me. Give me a second here. I don't want to hack up a lung on you, Mike. It might happen. You're a mechanic, though, right? You can put it back together again? Okay, good. It's good to know. In Proverbs 14:27, it says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. In 22.4, it says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are the riches and honor and life. So it's to understand the vastness of God. It's to understand His attributes of God. It's to understand something that, because of these things, then we need to do what it says, if you will. i got to go back. Excuse me for a second. Pause. Where are you at? There you are. I see you now. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp, golden bowls, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain and redeemed us by God to your, from your blood. Out of every tribe, tongue, and people and nation, you have made us kings and priests to our God, and you shall reign on earth. Did you get that? They fell on their faces and they worshiped God for what He has done. Do we? I was convicted this morning. I'm always convicted when I'm giving messages, trust me. But I, I pray in my chair, you know, Lord, I just pray, just help us to get, what does it mean, the fear of the Lord? And then I just remembered hearing about George Washington. A stranger came to the cabinet, if you will, and the Congress was meeting. And he wanted to know, well, which one, will I know who George Washington is? He said, oh, it's very easy. And you think, okay. He's going to tell him he's the tall one because he was tall. Or he is the one that's wearing the uniform. No. What he, they told him was this. When everybody, when we begin to pray, look for the one that gets on his knees. Do you? See, we've come to a point now that we're just so familiar with God. As we're sitting in our chair, as I was, I just remembered that and I thought, Oh, Lord, forgive me. And I got on my knees. Now, trust me, I get no points for you knowing that. I hope it works something in your heart. On my knees, I bow. On my knees, I worship. On my knees, I pray. Isaac Newton also understood this. He goes, I can look at the stars that are a million miles away. If it doesn't compare that I get on my knees and pray, I'm in the heavens. To understand what the fear of the Lord is, is to understand something very simply. See, in my life, I lived in a box. <laughs> I always thought what I wanted, what I needed. But even in that, the understanding of who I was, why am I here? What purpose do I have? What place do I have on this earth? 
Will I find someone that's going to love me? Will I find someone that I can love? Will I have children? Still, would I be a good father? Will I be a good husband? And what am I to do for a living? And in this box is one thing, but there's always something always that was, if you will, also gnawing at me. And that was what was beyond. How long is my life going to be? When am I going to die? And see, that's what plagues all humanity except for us now. Because now we can understand something. Uh, This majestic God that you can't fit in a box, he clothed himself in skin and then he said, follow me and I'll show you the way to life. But not only that, I'll give you purpose in this life. That you don't have to look in the box and say, what do I have to work with? Hand me the box and let me work with what I have to work with. Remember something, that nothing's impossible with me. And I created you. I made you. So let me put the pieces together and how your life is going to be. And as for what's in the distance, in the future, have no fear, for I died for you. And you shall live with me forever. So what do you have to fear? I stand in awe. I stand in reverence. I stand amazed. And then I bow. And I thank him. Because he's done it all. Let this be a truth that penetrates your heart. Let be a truth that penetrates mine. To truly understand what the fear of God is. But also to understand what it means to walk hand in hand with the one who loves me. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We pray, Lord, help us to truly understand what it means to, to have a reverence of you. To stand in awe. We thank you so much for sending your son for us. We thank you, Jesus, for how you, how you lived your life. The words that you said, the things that you did, showing us the way. We thank you for your loving kindness towards us. We thank you for the redemption that is ours now because of what you paid. I pray for each of us, Lord, that we would fully understand what it means to have a reverence for you, but also understand the closeness that has been given to us. Bless, Lord, I pray your word. Bless, Lord, our lives. In your hands we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 